You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. A mentor of mine said these words that changed my life. How you do anything is how you do everything. What if I told you that a game of golf can teach you life-changing things about who you are and how you show up in the game of life? It can, even if you don't play golf. Today's guest loves golf. She not only plays it, she became a Ladies Professional Golf Association tour player listed by Golf Digest as one of the top 50 women teachers in America. She's also a renowned global speaker and consultant who empowers people with the lessons she learned on the road to golf championship. It wasn't an easy road. Cindy had to first win the game against her inner voices and demons before she could experience true happiness and success. Whether you love golf, can take it or leave it, or even hate it, get excited about what Cindy Miller can teach you about hitting your personal hole-in-one and live any dream you may have or once had and buried. Cindy, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Thank you, Lewis. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Uh, I love talking about people's changes, and I love talking about golf. <laughs> First, Do you play golf? I Yes, I'll say that. I say it with hesitation because I started playing it a few years ago, and of course, you know, before I played it, I said, are people nuts to do this boring thing? <laughs> I, I, and then, then I, when I got up on the tee and I heard that first ping, I, it was like I could have been a junkie taking my first shot. And I love it, but I, I don't play often and I don't call myself good at it, but I love the game. Yeah. Great. What do you love most about the game? That's going to come up as, as we talk. We, we really will, I think so, because I have very specific passions about it, but I, I really don't want to steal your thunder, and I think it will be revealed as we speak. Perfect. Let's begin with where you were born. I was born in Dunkirk, New York, a small little town about 40 miles south of Buffalo. And you now live in Buffalo. Did you move away and go far away from there? I went to the University of Miami for college and then played on the LPGA Tour for three years, married my husband, Alan Miller, and we moved to Pensacola, Florida. Alan was a PGA Tour player. We lived there for five years, and when he retired from active playing on the PGA Tour, we moved to Buffalo to teach golf to normal public people at a driving range in western New York. Wow, wow. Um, what did you study in university? I went for phys ed. Okay, so it's related to what you do. 
Now, who would you say influenced you the most when you were growing up? My dad, without a doubt. Uh, My dad was an entrepreneur. Um, He was a driven, control-free, competitive maniac. Um, And he just, he made me believe that I could do anything I wanted to do, which was great. Does that describe you too? It does. (laughs) (laughs) How did you know that? I didn't, but you said, you know, he influenced you the most. And, uh, you know, um, you are an entrepreneur, so just kind of a logical leap, you know. (laughs) Or or maybe I intuited because I'm a maniac and I'm a control freak. (laughs) Love it. When did, oh, no, I'm sorry. Before I ask that, did you have a childhood dream of who you wanted to be as an adult? You know, I don't know that I did. I, um, my parents were both alcoholics. So the, the good news is my dad inspired me to achieve, you know, more above and beyond what my expectations were, but they were both alcoholics and they would drag me to the golf course and I would go to the pool and they would play golf all day, drink all night and go home and fight. So I can tell you that I knew what I didn't want, but Mm. I wasn't sure what I wanted. Mm. Very, very interesting. Interesting background. When did you fall in love with golf? I got fat in eighth grade, and all (laughs) the cute cute boys at the pool started to call me Ten Ton Tessie. Oh, God. Oh, God. And when you're a girl and you're in eighth grade and you get fat and you've been called 10-ton Tessie, you find an aversion to swimming. And since I had no other choice um, because I was going to be dragged to the club because my parents were going to play golf, I went out to the golf course and started to play golf. My dad bought me lessons and I got pretty good at it. And my mom and her friends took me to an LPGA tour event. Uh, on Grand Island in western New York near Buffalo, and I that was my first LPGA Tour event, and when I saw the women on the driving range and playing golf and hitting those shots and the, the sound of the crack of the driver when it hits the ball and the beautiful new shoes and the golf bag and the clothes, I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. So Fantastic. I was 17 when the bug hit me. Let me, let me ask, I just wonder, when you do public speaking, I know you're a storyteller. Do you ever tell or engage people by, I could just hear you saying, you know, I owe everything I am to 10-ton Tessie. You know what? I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. You should do it. Because I absolutely thank you. I will. Yeah. Well, I I also teach people, you know, um, uh, about presentation skills. And one of my big things is that initial hook. And you've got a great one. I mean, because I don't think a person in the audience will speak after they hear that because they know what she owes everything she is to 10 ton Tessie. Tell me more. You know what? You're absolutely right. Thank you. You're welcome. So what? once I I decided I was going to play on the LPGA Tour, the reality hit that I wasn't good enough. 
And so I thought, well, I got to play college golf. And I had no idea where there were schools that, you know, this was before the internet and email. So I wrote to the Ben Hogan company because I played their golf clubs. I figured they would care about me. And I wrote to Golf Digest magazine and I asked them if they knew of any schools that had women's golf teams. And they actually wrote back. And when they did, I remember two schools. I remember Odessa Junior College in Texas and the University of Miami and Coral Gables, Florida. So I wrote to the University of Miami and asked if I could be on their golf team. And they wrote back and said, you're not good enough. So I wrote back and said, well, can I come walk on your team and try? And they said, well, yeah, you're welcome to come try, but you'll probably never play. And my dad said, you've got one year to earn a scholarship or you have to come home. So I went to Miami and I graduated the number one player on the team. I was team captain of back-to-back national championships teams and named All-American my senior year. So there you go. There you go, indeed. Now, am I correct that at some point you abandoned your dream to be a great golfer? I... I tried to qualify for the LPGA Tour right after college, and I didn't make it. Again, the reoccurring theme, I wasn't good enough. I qualified on my second attempt, only to lose my card after three seasons. Again, I wasn't good enough. And I married PGA Tour player Alan Miller, and I went from LPGA Tour player to PGA Tour wife, and then soon after that, mother. And I didn't really play or compete much for 25 years. Right, right. So that was, so you had this powerful inner narrative that kept you from stepping up and really owning the dream. I don't know if it was owning the dream or, or believing in Cindy or doing what you need to, to get good enough. Those, but, but those, excuse me, those are the same thing. You see, when you say get good enough, I believe, to correct me if you think I'm wrong, that, that, that narrative, you're not good enough, is a story. And yeah, sure, you need to work to improve, but that's the kind of thing that stops most people from doing so many things. They always feel, I'm not good enough. You know, I don't believe that that was, I believe I achieved things that I, that most people wouldn't try, to be honest with you. Right. I, and I don't know why I am like that. I, I, I'm motivated by what I don't want, not necessarily what I do. I'll give you another story. When we moved, we got married. Alan quit playing after five years. We moved to Buffalo to teach golf, and I was giving golf lessons nonstop, and, and you know, we were doing very well, but I, I wanted to have some fun. So I went to the sewing store uh, around Christmas time, and they had a fancy-schmancy sewing machine, and this sewing machine was $2,000, and this was like 1990, right? And... $2,000 sewing machine was a lot of money, but it did all these fancy schmancy things. And I drove home that night thinking, how am I going to get this machine? How am I going to talk him into letting me buy it? And 
what I did was I bought a book on how to machine applique and I taught myself how to applique shirts so I could make enough money selling shirts to pay for the machine that I wanted to have fun with. And I ended up starting a business and sewing shirts for Augusta National Country Club for the Masters. I mean, how... Well, you see, I mean, look, you say you don't know, but you say your father was a driven entrepreneur. Well, I mean, you picked up something there. Yeah, definitely. That's fabulous. <laughs> That's a fabulous story. Now, you'll know the meaning of this, and you can shed light on it if you like for the audience. What made the nail you were sitting on hurt so badly that you had to change? Well, of course, when you you grow up in a household with alcoholics, I you know, I used to drink myself, but I used to get so hungover I felt terrible. So I finally said, you know, I don't like doing this because I feel terrible the next day. But I married an alcoholic. So Alan... Um, would drink for liquid courage because he had a dad like my dad who was a competitive control freak and Alan's a shy quiet if you know anything about disc assessments he's a high S which is a steady systematic type person and of course people always marry their opposites so you've got a control freak with a steady systematic quiet nice person anyway I Alan was drinking he hated playing on the tour because he had to, he loved the golf game, but he hated having to go to pro-am parties. So he would drink for liquid courage because he had to talk at pro-am parties. Long story short, we moved to Buffalo. Basically, he was ranked the number one amateur in the country. He never lived up to his potential. So you go from having dinner at Bob Hope's house to teaching golf at a public driving range in Buffalo, New York. You know, your perception of yourself is not too good. And I was having a, a pity party one day, and and I was just sitting there saying, you know, I wish he would change. And I was whining about him and blaming everything on him, and I picked up the newspaper. It was a Monday morning, and there was a, a Legends Tour event with the listings of the summary of the uh, event that weekend. And I was like, wait, what is this? It was a senior tour for former LPGA tour players. And I saw that Nancy Lopez played and a bunch of my friends that I went to college with and played on the tour with. And she shot 85 one day and she made $3,000. So that right there was the little piece of hope that, hey, I could pick up my clubs and I could prove to myself that the dream I had when I was 17 years old wasn't going to be a nightmare that would haunt me the rest of my life. So that was when I decided to get off the nail and stop whining about my husband and do something about myself. And and I must tell you, everything in my household changed when I stopped blaming him. Of course. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the amazing thing. You know, it's it's never about another person or about circumstances. It's always about taking responsibility for everything. Absolutely. Even stuff you don't think you're responsible for. You just say, well, uh, I, I own it, 100%. But most people won't do that. It's easier to blame. <laughs> and let me ask you, do you invest in formal personal development? I do. I do. You go to courses? You have, uh, like, gurus? I that do. Yeah. I work with Advance Your Reach. I do. 
Uh, I have an advisory board. I read books. Absolutely. Again, so the I have this thing called the It Box, and we're going to we're going to get to that. We're going to get to okay. that in the end. Absolutely, I want to hear all about the It Box in a few moments. Um, is is there any particular thought leader that really inspires you the most today? Um, Doesn't have no. to be. No, okay. But I really admire Pete Vargas. Do you know Pete? Uh, we haven't had coffee together, but I know who he is. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Pete Vargas, I interviewed him on my podcast. Yeah, he's awesome. And Pat Quinn? Yeah, Pat Quinn is a major podcaster, yeah. Yeah. No, Pat Flynn. You're thinking Pat Flynn. Oh, Pat Flynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Pat so. Flynn um, trains people how to speak. He works with Advance Your Reach. Oh. And and their their system is awesome. And I really, I'm grateful that I've been involved. Not even, it's less than a year right now, but I've made some major changes. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Yes. That's wonderful. Why is golf a perfect metaphor for living? Well, <laughs> you are the only one holding the club. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And that being said, you need to be able to understand that you have the freedom to make choices that can change your life. And when you get ready to hit a shot, you have to know where you want to go. What are the obstacles in the way? And how can you best play this shot from the lie that you've been given? This is why I chose to interview you on my podcast. You see, Tell me more. Well, no, really, because when I said, oh, so she uses golf to teach about life. Because when you asked me at the beginning, what do I love most about it? That's it. Because each time I go out there, it's me against me that I don't know any other game that in the game you face 18 opportunities for abject failure. And if you let any one of them get you down, you're finished. So it's a real character mirror and it's also a character developer. It sure is. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Most people avoid the mirror. They don't want to look. Of course not. Listen, we're fed. Look, our society feeds us distraction. Most people will die distracted. It's easier. It feels better. It feels better than to say, you know what? I, I am sitting on a nail. <laughs> I call it a delayed intelligence attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, sure. But, but yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons that golf fascinates me so much. Because uh, it really is that. I mean, and so which leads me to my next question of how can a sand trap become an opportunity for personal change? Oh, hmm. I'm not sure what you mean. Yes, you are. 
Come on, give me it. No, um, no, no, you're smart. You know, listen, this is what you teach. Think well, about, okay, it's so hazard. it's a hazard. Okay, and, it's a hazard. And and what happens to people when they get into sand traps? Well, they automatically think, you know, oh no, I'm dead, you know. Right. And what happens when they think that? Oh, well, then they are dead. <laughs> so you said you didn't know. You do know. That's exactly. Well, I guess I guess what it is, it's not so much that it's a sand trap, but anytime you hit a bad shot and you get put into a situation, if you believe that you can't get out of it, you won't get out of it. So I believe that if you, if you develop the skills and you learn how to create um, shots, if you will, Sometimes you have to make things up and the harder, you know what, you're really giving me some great insight here that was sitting right in front of me that I wasn't even aware of. It's so funny how some people are so good out of trouble. Tiger Woods is one of them and our son Jamie is one of them. It's like you put him behind a bunch of trees, you just watch and see how he's going to get out of that. And it's the mindset of bring it. Give me anything you got, and I'm ready to challenge you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, the sand trap is one, and the other one, the one that often stops me, and even though I'm aware of this stuff, is water. Because I know that what the water, the lesson for me with water is, don't focus on what you don't want, focus on what you want. And if I'm only focusing on where the ball has to go, then the water doesn't matter. But if my mind is saying, uh-oh, but you've got to get over that water, I'm going to hear a splash. You know what? You're absolutely right. Hmm. We have a, a slide deck that we use when we do team building, and it has a picture of an island green with water all around it in a bunker. And, you know, we say, what do you see? And most, 99% of the people in the room see the hazards. Right. Exactly. And, and we see long left. Why? Long left is safe. That's where I'm going. Where mm. are you going? I love it. I love it. So how can golf, or can it, enrich your personal relationships? Um, I think it can enrich your personal relationship with yourself, number one. I think you have to be willing to forgive yourself. Well, I think you, yeah, how about I, you have to get to know yourself? Yeah, you do have to get to know yourself. Um, you know, it's funny. I was trying to qualify for a Legends Tour event in Indiana uh, quite a few years ago, and I missed by one, and I was driving home by myself, 11-hour trip, and I called my husband, and I was whining and crying and moaning and groaning. And he said to me, Cindy, this has absolutely nothing to do with your golf swing. This has everything to do with your head. Of course. Yeah. And, and that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to make the commitment that I'm going to fix my head. Because I don't like this pain. And if I'm going to continue to try, then I have to look in the mirror and do something about it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Takes courage. Takes strength. Now... How did your husband's suicide attempt and your alcoholism challenge you to grow as a person and as a golfer? Um, you know, it's funny because you think you're going to die, <laughs> you know, when when all these challenges creep up and 
culminate into an explosion, if you will. And and I happen to be a Christian, so my faith in God, you know, I was praying, you got to help me, Lord. I don't know what I'm doing here. And sometimes you just think that he's not even listening. And that's when somebody said to me, you know, go read Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, which says, you know, I have a plan for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans for hope and a future. So I just kind of stuck on that. And uh, Alan ended up going to a mental hospital. He hasn't had a drink since 1996. And when I saw that there was a Legends Tour for me, I started investing my time and energy on improving myself and not shoving a mirror in my husband's face, showing him everything that was wrong with him. And then, you know, our relationship just got better and better and better. And now I'm happy to say we're going to be married for 38 years on Halloween. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a truly a miracle. Um, Are you going to get dressed up as golfers on Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that Halloween, we got dressed up as a bride and a groom. <laughs> now, why do so many people never challenge the you're not good enough voice in their head? Because I think they believe it. You know, it's so funny. Um, I get motivated when someone tells me I can't do things. And I believe it's because I'm such a high D personality. But if someone's a high S personality or a high C, which is steady, or C is, you know, cautious and analytical, they might believe, you know, the negative voice in their head. And I get mad at it and say, watch this, pal. I'll show you what I can do. Mm -hmm. So I get obstinate. And um, I think most people don't, number one, believe, and number two, have the courage to take the next step. Mm. Yep, I totally agree with that. How can playing golf alone become a journey of self-discovery as well as a great game? You may have covered some of that, but maybe you want Yeah, I think the game of golf, it teaches you how to focus, how to plan, how to be self-reliant which is a big deal, in my opinion. It teaches you accountability and responsibility. It teaches you how to deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, it's such a great game because it's such a great challenge and you will never, ever master it. And one more thing I must tell you, one of the reasons I really love golf is because no one gets to be really good at it without working at it. And some people have more talent than others, God-given talent, but no one gets to be really good without working at it, and no one will ever master it. So it's a, it's a constant challenge, a never-ending pursuit of personal potential, which is what I love. Which is, again, hello, that's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that answer. Now, what is your it box? And what three things should be in it? The it box is, uh, it's a metaphor for your life. So what's in your box? Why are you here? Why were you born? 
what it's the choice for you to do what you're great at and if you choose to pursue your it you have to pick it up yourself which is again responsibility personal accountability and if you choose to pursue your it there are three things in the box that are very important the tools and the steps you need to take number one is why what's your why what do you want the nail signifies pain but it's also a motivator so some people are motivated by avoiding pain others are motivated by seeking reward and I mentioned here that I'm motivated by avoiding pain so once you know your why when there's doubt and insecurities and fear and uncertainty you'll always go back to your why to motivate you mm-hmm. to move forward the second thing in the box to choose to pursue your it is a mirror and you have to look in the mirror who am i what are my strengths what are my weaknesses what do i need to work on sometimes i get to be a little too bossy i interrupt people i i you know make rash decisions without thinking them through and in our in our system you know we do behavior assessments so that we help people number one find out what motivates them to action number two what's their behavior style both natural and adapted which means you can change your behavior style in certain situations which might not be a good thing other times it might be a good thing you know if I'm given a golf lesson and I've got someone who's real shy and quiet I can't come at them like you know a maniac because I'm going to scare them. <laughs> I have to adapt my behavior to communicate with my customer. Right. So that's that's the mirror. Who are you? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? The third thing in the box is a seed. And the seed is what are you going to do about it? Are you going to, you know, plant a seed and start working on it? And the seed came to me when... Alan and I were going to get divorced and I was going to counseling and I happened to be a Christian and I was in a Christian counselor's office and I was crying and whining and the tears are dripping down my face and the boogers are going in my mouth and I don't have any Kleenex. And the guy gets up and he goes and gets toilet paper from the bathroom and he hands me the wad of toilet paper and he says, the Lord told me to tell you something. And I looked up like a little brat and I go, yeah, what did he tell you to tell you? Tell me. And he said, he told me to tell you that he's planted a seed in your life. And you need to stop digging it up to see if it's growing. Ooh, I love it. He says, you need to leave that seed in the ground. You need to water it. You need to put it in the sunlight. And you need to nurture it. And if you do, there's no telling how good it can be. Mm. Kaboom. Yeah. So the it box contains three things. A nail, a mirror, and a seed. If you choose to become all you can be. And pursue your personal potential. I love it. I love it. You said a nail, but at first I thought you said it was the why. Well, the why well, could... the nail is the pain. You know, why am I here? What do I want? Why I, Am I getting off a nail or am I seeking a reward? You know, I don't need a fancy schmancy car, but don't try to take my car away from me or I'll kill you. <laughs> you know, so the point is, is that what, what's your motivator? What's going to 
trigger you to get up and do something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. for me, my family was falling apart. I didn't have a choice. Sometimes change is hard, you know, and, and we need the instigator to help us get up and make the change. And right, that right. signifies that. Great. I love it. Did I just hear a choo-choo train go by? You're dead. Sorry. No, no, no. It's nice. It was a nice sound. I don't mind. Listen, I have a cat. Uh, she's outside right now, but I deliberately have her outside because she loves to do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 she has opinions about everything. So you could, you might be saying something about a golf shot, and she'll go, oh, "I know about that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I can't stop a train. <laughs> You can't? <laughs> oh, no, there's a certain limitation here. Does the negative mind chatter ever stop? You know, it starts to it starts to talk, but then the more you work on yourself, the more you can identify and go, wait, who is this? You know, nobody invited you to the party. And and so when I'm playing golf or I'm doing something, I, I just stop myself and I say, that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. That's not the truth. This is the truth. Um, and I'm sure some people have trouble stopping it. But Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think it never does stop. I think that you gain great power the moment you accept that it doesn't stop. Because then, you know, it doesn't bother you as much. You go, okay, you know, I'm ready for you when you get here. Yeah. You're right. You know? You know, it's like, all right, bring it. I'm not afraid of you. Well, you see, in the movies, I play a lot of gangsters. So I use my gangster persona when the voice starts. I hear it, and I just go, what did you say? I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. (laughs) And and it it disappears. (laughs) Awesome. Do the voices of failure and defeat become louder as the stakes for happiness and success become higher? Well, new level, new devil. Ah, I like that. And you have to discern the difference. Um, and then weigh the, you know, is this truth or is this false? And then move forward. Like no emotion, just facts. Just mm-hmm. the fact, ma'am, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think you're always there trying to trying to stop you. You, you, know? you, you just did a Joe Friday. I did. Yeah? <laughs> okay, the people listening, what is he talking about? Uh, it's a show from many, many, many centuries ago called Dragnet. It's a detective show on TV. It was very popular. What was his name, that, that actor? I have no idea. Jack Webb. Was it? Yeah, Jack Webb. Facts, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. (laughs) Yep. And and you know what? That's so helpful to me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sit there and ruminate over all this negative chatter. It's like, stop. Right. Not true. Shut up. Who are your ideal clients? Teachable people who really want to achieve something. Hmm. That's describing their qualities, but be, besides that, um, are there 
certain kinds of people that you work with a lot in your business who are really the clients who are drawn to you the most and whom you help the most? You know, it's funny. I I have people that come for um, golf lessons or training who are total beginners, who are three years old, who are up to 90 years old, who are total beginners up to PGA Tour comeback players of the year. But don't you also have clients who are business people? I mean, for teaching beyond golf, you teach? I do, and I teach. The funny thing is, is that, again, we're going to go back to where, how this all started. Most people don't want to look in the mirror. Right. So my customer is the company or the CEO who has personnel issues, right. who wants to get those issues solved. And the person who's the end user is the employee who probably does not want to look in the mirror. Okay. Now, there are individuals, again, how many competitive control freaks like you and I are there out there who were always seeking to improve and get better? I think that's a small percentage. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I mean, you know, it's a lot of people are just looking for a way to make it as easy as possible. Right, right. So most of my customers are companies. Mm-hmm. And the end user would be an employee. Mm-hmm. Now, in that work, do you also take them out on the golf course or no? It sometimes includes golf and sometimes it does not. Okay. Most times it does not for corporate training and okay. team building. Okay. Cindy, what makes you jump out of bed each day with a fire in your belly? Um, I do not want to die and go to heaven and have God look at me and say, why did you not do what I wanted you to do? Why were you a chicken? So I believe that I have a bigger purpose and a mission and a message to deliver. And I want to do everything to complete my assignment. Hmm. Okay. But do we ever complete the assignment or do we just continue? I don't know. I just want to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. And he gives me all these wild, hairy, crazy ideas. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Doesn't matter. I mean, as long as it's that, you know, Get you going. I've got That's... the burn. I've got the burn. And, and and I'm grateful that I have a burn because I think there's an awful lot of people, you know, a lot of people that I teach golf to. Well, I'm retired. Well, what do you do? Oh, I'm busy. Well, what do you do? Well, I don't know. I'm like, ugh. You know, people say to me, aren't you going to retire? Why would I retire? I love helping people. Are you familiar with Dan Sullivan? I'm not. Look up strategic coach. I think you'll relate to him. Uh because he has, he's very passionate about that subject. He goes, uh, retirement is a decision to die. Right? No, it is, absolutely, because... I agree. You see, I got it from Bob Dylan. He not busy being born is busy dying. That's from a Bob Dylan song. Wow. Oh, yeah. Cool. In fact, when I get lazy, I think of that line. I go... Uh, there is no choice, really. I mean, you do have choice, but 
if you're just say, okay, you know, I've had enough. Now I'm going to take it easy. You never, you never, you're never really standing still. You're either growing or you're withering. <laughs> That's sick. I don't want to wither. No, no. Ugh. <laughs> Do you have a favorite book? The Dream Giver. Who's that by? Oh, I knew you'd ask me that. <laughs> oh, wow. I just went brain dead. Doesn't matter. It's awesome. The Dream Giver. Yep. Okay. I'll look that up. And how about a favorite quote? It's never too late to be what you might have been. You know, who was that? Was that Shaw? No, it was Elliot, some Elliot. T.S. Eliot? I don't know. Again. Well, I, I mean, T.S. Eliot was one of the great writers, poets of the 20th century. It's never... Too late to be what you might have been. Hmm. It may be. I'm going to check it. Check it out. I have a friend named Google who tells me all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, if you could change just one thing in the world, only one... What would it be? To communicate to people that they have the freedom to make choices that can change their lives. But you do that already. Well, That's, I want to change that in the world. So you you want people to, you would like people to just wake up to that, that they can yeah. change. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Hey, I don't have to be in this pile. Right. And how can people contact you? They can contact me at Cindy at Cindy Miller Inc. Inc. dot com. And do you want me to share a link that they can get more information? Yeah, absolutely. Cindy Miller Inc. dot com forward slash change. Wonderful. Any final thoughts for our storytellers today? No, I, this has been absolutely a pleasure to hang out with you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, same here. I mean, because I, I really, when I saw what your topic was, I said, not she's got to be on the show. And are, are there any questions that I didn't ask that I should have asked you? No, I think you covered everything. I think that's <laughs> great. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, Lois. No, me too. I really, really enjoyed my time with you. I knew I would, just even before I met you. So thank you again for enriching the show. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. And thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and Cindy Miller. What a fascinating woman. How exciting to understand the relationship between golf and life. And I would urge you that even if you have never dreamt of picking up a golf club, at least go on to YouTube and I'll bet you'll be able to find a video where you can watch someone hit that sweet spot. And when you hear the sound that that ball connecting with the driver makes, it's beyond words. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel that sense of unity, of harmony, of power. It's just so wonderful. Experience it for yourself. And by all means, 
uh, recommend to your friends to listen to this show and tell them that it'll help them to reach for their personal best. They can hear it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Of course, at the website, there's a free gift waiting for you. A free ebook that I've created called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. During the next week, think about what is your personal sweet spot? Have you allowed yourself to explore it? Have you found it? And if you have, have you worked toward hitting it? And decide that you will do that either by yourself, with a mentor, maybe reach out to Cindy, whatever, but find a way to stretch and experience another level of living. Of course, begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.